Welcome to the Customer Experience Management Podcast, hosted by Anders Gustafsson and Carlos Velasco. In this episode, Anders interviews Dr. Larissa Becker about fundamental premises of customer experiences. Hello and a warm welcome to our experience podcast. Uh, my name is Anders Gustafsson and today I have a really good guest lined up for you. It's Larissa Becker, uh, and we will talk about her recent GEMS article. Uh, so, uh, Larissa, can you start by introducing yourself? Thank you. Okay. Thank you, first, for the invitation. It's my pleasure to talk about customer experience in this podcast. So, I am Larissa. Uh, I am a Brazilian living in Finland because I came here to do my PhD. And during my PhD, I have been working with customer experience and therefore the article we are going to talk today. Yeah, so now, nowadays I work at Tampere University as a postdoctoral research fellow. And I also have this part-time position in IMAGE in Brazil. Sounds fantastic. Mm-hmm. I've never been to Brazil. Uh, so maybe that is an experience I should have. Yes, <laughs> I recommend strongly (laughs) so uh, let me start by asking you what what is customer experience to you yeah so I don't think it would be a surprise my answer if you had read my article but to me customer experience refers to these reactions a customer have during the customer journey Uh, and in the definition that I adopt in my article there are two things that are like to call attention is that I call experience this non-spontaneous responses and reactions and this by that I mean really the meaning of reaction something that happens and you respond when the service process or you're consuming during the customer journey and these responses and reactions can be affective cognitive sensorial behavioral So maybe it's easier if I present with a few examples. So I think anyone can uh, relate to that, that after COVID or in the beginning of COVID, going to a crowded market, for instance, it was something that when you were in the market, if there were too many people around you, there was this apprehension or anxiety. So these are customer experiences, these reactions that we have then. Or maybe now that you're listening to a podcast and then maybe you will have this aha experience or something that will relate to your work and it will make you think about it or you make you more curious. This is an example of a cognitive reaction. So in this definition that I adopt, this spontaneous thing, this reaction thing is very important. It's how I define experience. And then it differentiates also from more deliberate evaluations, such as satisfaction. That's something you can look back and say, yeah, this was satisfactory or this was not uh, satisfactory Uh, but it's something you look back and you think about and then you form an evaluation so customer experience is more this reactions that we have in real time 
very good. Uh, it goes well in line with, with uh, what, what I'm thinking too, uh, that we maybe focus too much on, on the memorable aspects of, of uh, customer experience and less about the sort of reaction as, as you call them. Uh, yes. In many, in many cases, we may not even cognitively notice that we have had a, a reaction. Yes, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because now I'm working on an article that talks about this customer experience that we have in real time and then what you remember from that. That the remembered experience is not the same as what we experience, but this is maybe for another time. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> it, it is really well in line with, with what I'm doing as well. So yeah, let's save that for another, another time. Uh, yes. So you talked about reactions, and, and uh, so are there any differences between good or bad experiences? If mm. you, you remember them, that, that is, I guess, <laughs> or maybe not. Uh, maybe I have a little bit of problem with this good versus bad experience or positive versus negative experience because experience to me it's such a complex concept first we have these five dimensions like affective cognitive social and if you think for instance of affective it includes moods feelings emotions and then you take only emotions we have such a range of it can be fear, it can be love, hate, anger. So what is a good or bad experience depends on context. Uh, also, these experiences can vary in intensity. They can be very out of ordinary, strong, or very weak. And in some contexts, it can be more desirable to have a weak experience. For instance, if you're doing laundry, uh, a laundry service, and you don't want to have to think about, you don't want to be memorable or something like that. You just want to go to the service without a problem. Uh, and it can also vary in balance. If you take surprise, for instance, you can be positively surprised or negatively surprised, right? So that's why I have a, a little bit of a problem with good versus bad experience, because I think, uh, it's a concept that offers such a more nuanced view. And, and if you take, for instance, fear, fear usually is considered a negative emotion, right? But if you take in the context, context of an amusement park, you want to feel fear or scared while doing a ride or something like that. And I remember from myself that once I did this ride, and I was like so disappointed that it did not scare me enough. But so this is a context that fear would be a positive experience and it did not happen. And instead I was disappointed. But if I'm waiting for the dentist and I'm going to do a procedure or something like that, then I do not want to experience fear. In this context, fear is a negative experience. So I think that is best if you talk about the right experience for a certain group of customers or in a certain context or even in a certain point of customer journey, having in mind 
all of these possibilities that you can try to trigger in the customer instead of only saying, oh, we try to offer a good experience. Okay, but what type of experience are you trying to trigger in your customer? Very good. And uh, as, as you know, I, I did have an interview with Arne de Kaiser and uh, mm -hmm. Uh, they're highlighting context and he also mentioned that, that uh, he thought that uh, your article and, and their article was a perfect combination uh, of, of, of aspects and, and uh, you're pretty much highlighting that too. <laughs> in, yes. not, not in the same ways as, as uh, he did, but, but it, it's sort of your highlighting context and I, I think that that is very appropriate. Uh, yes, I do agree. It's a very good article that uh, he and his team have published and I think they complement each other very well yes so uh, why are we focusing so much on customer experience at the moment we have talked about customer experience for the last 30-40 years uh, but it's only now that it, it is actually to a large degree in focus so why do you think that is um I think that's like a cyclical effect that we started talking in the 80s about experiencing marketing academia, but then maybe a decade later came Pine and Gilmore and Schmidt that they published both uh, these academic articles, but also they had books that were managerial and for practitioners. And it has been increasing since then. So when I conducted this literature, systematic literature review, we could see like a huge increase of articles and it has been happening since then. Uh, and I also think this is a cyclical effect because the more then we talk about experience and then the more there are these practitioner publications and then managers consider a priority and then we want to do research that's relevant for them, right? So then we do more research about customer experience. Um, that's one of the reasons why I think it's so relevant today. Uh, but on the other side, and I agree with Arne here, that customer experience has been always relevant. We are just talking more about today. But in my opinion, it is so relevant because it always serves as the basis for customers' assessments and evaluations. So we will say if we are satisfied or not with something based on the experiences we had. So I think it's very good that this uh, is being talked about today and that we are differentiating also customer experience from satisfaction and other concepts and focusing really in these more nuanced reactions that we want to triggering our customers. So you're listening to the customer experience pod and, and uh, we are doing an interview with Larissa Becker uh, here. And, and uh, Larissa, uh, we started to talk about your recent article in, in, in JAMS. Uh, and and uh, my question to you first is really, uh, can you tell me a bit more about the background of the paper? Uh, yes. So this paper started in my PhD studies. So my first supervisor, Elina Yakola, is a co-author in this paper. Uh, and it started in the very beginning because I was reading and reading about customer experience. 
and there was no consensus about what the customer experience is. So some authors would measure customer experience using satisfaction and quality measures, and others would say that experience is something that a firm creates and deliver this extraordinary experience to customers. And then still others would say that it's something that emerged in the customer's life world and it can or cannot maybe be involved with the firm. So it was a very fragmented literature with no consensus about customer experience. In addition to that, I was attending some doc doctor courses and some people would question, but is customer experience really different from satisfaction and service equality? Uh, or is it just studying the same thing with another name? Uh, so that's the motivation for this paper to try to kind of figure out this research domain. And to do that, we conducted this systematic literature review. And why, what is that? Basically, we have this, this specific criteria to select articles and have a less biased view of the field. So we selected in the end 136 articles that study experience mark marketing. And then we started analyzing them. We are coding what is their goal? How do they define experience? How do they study experience? And so on and so on. Uh, based on that, we identified eight fields that study customer experience in marketing. So indeed, really fragmented field. Uh, and then we started seeing, okay, but what, what are their similarities? Are they compatible with each other? Uh, and then we started grouping them. Uh, and then these eight fields were reduced or grouped into two research traditions that study customer experience in marketing. Uh, and then the last phase of the, this research was saying, okay, we have these two research fields, what do they have in common? So then based on that, we de derived these four fundamental premises. Thank you. Uh, and and I, I think it's very timely and, 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 and good, especially given uh, what uh, has been said in, in research claiming, and I believe that too, that, that uh, measure-wise, uh, there is, hasn't been that much different, difference between experience and customer satisfaction. If, if, if you look at the existing research, if you look at the existing literature reviews on measuring customers, uh, customer experience, uh, it's very similar measures to customer satisfaction. Uh, so I, I, I totally agree, uh, which yeah. makes this paper extra interesting. Thanks. You talk about two research traditions, if I understand correctly. Um, you talk about something called managerial stimuli and consumption process. Can you help me understand that a bit better? Yes. So based on this research, we identify these two research traditions. So the first one is what we call customer experience as responses to managerial stimuli. So in these streams that were inside this tradition, uh, there were, for instance, services marketing that studies how customers respond to service encounter elements, the service escape, the service employees, and so on. 
Then we have branding. That is how customers respond to the logo, to the colors, this brand related elements, online marketing. That is how customers respond to the website, uh, a brand community or so on. So basically all of these traditions were studying how customers respond to this stimuli that managers can control or stimuli in firm owned touch points. Uh, and we group them together because we think then these are compatible. Uh, and the value of this is that as customers, when we go in a customer journey uh, with a firm organization, we never encounter this stimuli in isolation. We don't just interact, for instance, with brand-related stimuli or the service elements, but it's a combination of those. So when we group them together, uh, I believe that this offers a more comprehensive view of the stimuli that we might encounter when we are interacting with the company. And the second research tradition is about responses to consumption processes that kind of uh, decentralizes the interactions with just a firm and really focus on the consumer and what the consumer is doing to achieve their goals. So it goes beyond these touch points with companies and considers other services, uh, customers' resources, uh, and so on. So if you think, for instance, a student's journey. Now we are doing this podcast for, in my understanding, to complement the teaching, right? So in a student journey, it's not only the journey with the university, but the student has a goal and uses several resources to achieve that goal. So this second research tradition tries to understand that, what customers are doing in their everyday lives to achieve their goals and how companies fit in this process. So um, while one focuses more the interactions with only one company, the others bring more actors to view experience. Uh, and this, I would dare to say that this is the way the literature is going nowadays. So we are talking more about uh, service ecosystems and consumer journeys and this broader view. Thank you. Um... The other thing that, that you're contributing to uh, is that you also talk about four fundamental premises of customer experience or what you call the big picture of customer experience. Uh, can, can you elaborate a bit more on that and, and, and what are these elements? Yes. So based on these two research traditions, uh, what we identified, they are very different. So one focus on interactions with the one firm and company and have one way of studying experience and another broadens this to a more uh, ecosystem level or the customer's context. So we're thinking, okay, but how then we can identify what do they have in common? Because even though they study customer experience differently, the concept should not mean different things in these two research traditions. So this was our starting point to come up with these premises. And then we are focusing what do they have in common? Uh, the first premise uh, defines customer experience 
And this is very much in line with your first question about what is customer experience to me, that we define experience as this non-deliberate, spontaneous responses and reactions to offering related stimuli along the customer journey. Uh, so basically here we are saying also experience is not satisfaction, is not service equality, and it's also not the stimulus. So for instance, uh, think of getting a haircut. The act of getting the haircut is not the experience, the customer experience as we define here, but the responses to it are. So how we experience that. That's the important question here. Uh, and also we identified that these uh, experiences, they can range from ordinary to extraordinary. And this has to do with the intensity of our responses instead of the context. For instance, can, as I said before, I went to that ride, ride that did not scare me at all. So it was supposed to be an extraordinary context but my experience was very ordinary. It was not strong at all. Or when I was like a teenager and then this hairdresser really messed up my hair, it was supposed to be an ordinary experience. And it was so negative that it became extraordinary. I remember to this date and so on. So we are trying to say that whether an experience is ordinary or extraordinary depends on the intensity of our responses. And then the second premise, uh, it's about the customer journey. So we have these responses, but responses to what? So we respond to stimuli within uh, firm control touch points and outside. So we not only respond to what a firm is providing to us, to our points of contact, but also these touch points outside of firm's control. So in a customer journey, we also interact uh, with other services. Uh, we have our own resources, like we can think about an offering, we can do our independent research in other websites. So a customer journey is more uh, involves more than interacting with a single firm. Uh, and then to kind of reconcile that, we say, okay, uh, we can see a customer journey through different levels of analysis. Uh, and the first level is this cues or stimuli that is the smallest unit to which we respond. Uh, so if you are in a restaurant, we respond to the tone of voice of a service employee or if they smile or not, or this smallest thing, cues that we respond to. Uh, these cues or stimuli are embedded in touch points that are our points of contact uh, with a service or a firm or an offering. So a customer journey involves several of these touch points. We see first an ad or see someone talking about an offering on Facebook. And then we can call, we can contact to the internet, we can go to a store physically, we can complain to our friends on Facebook if you're not satisfied. So this customer journey involves several points of contact that can be direct, if you are directly talking to an employee, for instance, or indirect. For instance, 
just watching an advertising in television can be also considered a touch point. And the customer journey then is the third level and it's the collection of these touch points with a service or a firm. Uh, and what I think it's really new here is that we go one level above to consider the consumer journey that we define as the process that customers undergo to achieve higher order goals in their lives. It could be like a student want to might, uh, have a good career or something like that or find a good job. Uh, so what are the goals that we're really trying to achieve when we are engaging in a, with a customer journey? Uh, and then this consumer journey will not only involve one service, but several services, uh, the customer's own resources, came, comes along all of these touch points with other companies and outside the firm's control. So, for example, in my dissertation, I studied recovering alcoholics journey towards sobriety. So the higher order goal was to become sober, to have this sober life. And this consumer journey had then customer journeys with clinics, hospitals, psychologists. Uh, they had to buy books about recovery, self-help groups. That's not a firm in itself, but it's a service that's still very uh, relevant for this journey. Uh, we could identify also like how relatives help them or uh, damage their recovery and so on. So what is the value of looking at this consumer journey, even though we cannot manage it? We can better understand how the customer journey, for instance, with my firm, uh, fits into this story that the consumer is developing. Uh, and I have another example for my thesis, is that, uh, for instance, many of the recovering alcoholics, they go to clinics to detox from alcohol in the beginning of the recovery. And sometimes when they finish detoxing, they had this idea, okay, I'm cured now, I can drink again. And it seemed that these clinics did not offer them any guidelines to how to proceed in their consumer journey towards sobriety. So if we look to this perspective, these clinics missed that their goal was not to detox from alcohol, but to have a sober life. If they think in this level, okay, the goal is to detox from alcohol, okay, they did their job. But if they think, okay, their goal is to become sober, they have to think, how do I help my consumer achieve that? What do they need to do after the detox? And then you can um, try to connect them to another customer journey that will help with maintaining sobriety. Uh, yes, so basically that's the second premise. Very good. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think it's very insightful and, and uh, as you know, I, I, I know well uh, of, of uh, your, your research on, on alcoholics and, and, and uh, customer journeys, but you, you had two more. Uh, yes premises. Yeah, so the third one is uh, about the context. So customer experiences are subjective, they are contextual. So 
a firm can try to offer the same experience to every customer, but they will not experience the same way because they depend in customer-related contextual factors such as our mood, our past experiences, our knowledge. So, for instance, um, when I'm not doing research, usually I'm dancing uh, and I go to dance classes. Uh, so let's say a customer who is going to a dance class and has a lot of knowledge about it, that dance. Uh, and if it has a not, lot of knowledge and it doesn't match the level, it goes to a level below, they might be bored. Or if they have very little knowledge and go to the same class, they might be confused and feeling out of place or something like that. So this is an example that the same dance class, according to the customer's previous knowledge, can be experienced very differently. And then we have also situational, situational contextual factors that interfere. So if you're going to a restaurant with a friend or a partner or a coworker or alone, you might experience differently, for instance. So these contextual factors related to directly to your journey. And then also these contextual factors related to a broader system that we are embedded, such as the culture, the meanings that we share, and so on. Um, and I like this uh, example because when I came to Finland, I was surprised about how many secondhand stores were here. Uh, and I noticed that many people are really conscious about the environment here. So using, for instance, a secondhand product to, can be um, uh, can generate an experience of pride. And if you compare that to another country in which people are not so environmental conscious and let's say people are more elitist and want to show that they can buy more, like using a secondhand product can generate an experience of shame or something like that. So that would be an example how these broader meanings that we have in society and our own culture can influence how we experience something as well. Uh, and then the last premise, maybe this is the more relevant to this podcast that they, uh, relates directly to customer experience management. So... Uh, Basically, our conclusion is that we cannot directly manage or control the experience because experiences are customers' responses. But what firms can do is that they can manage the stimuli to which customers respond. So there are the stimuli that are under the firm's control, like the service escape and advertising, the website, and then firms can design and manage to try to trigger the intended experience. And again, this intended experience can be very much more nuanced than positive or negative experience. Uh, but there are also these touch points that the firm cannot control. And I would say that this is the most challenging thing right now uh, in customer experience because, uh, okay, it's there are a lot of guidelines on how to design customer journeys and so on 
but what can we do as firms to these touch points that we don't have control? So we suggest <clears throat> that firms monitor and respond to them. Uh, and we have the perfect example right now, that's the COVID situation. Firms cannot control the situation. The only thing that they can do is to monitor the number of cases, vaccination, governmental guidelines, and then to the touch points they can control, they can adapt to that, they can respond. For instance, they can offer more online options nowadays, uh, adapt the services cape to make it safer for the customer and so on. So it's really important to monitor what's going on in the environment, these contextual factors, so we can respond in a way. Thank you. And, and I, I do believe everything you have said is very relevant to, to, to understanding and managing customer experience, because if you don't understand touch points and, and interaction that goes on in, in, in these touch points and, and how to manage or, or monitor those, or if you don't understand that there are different types of customer journeys, I, I think you, you're making a mistake. Uh, so I, I think everything you've said is, is extremely relevant uh, to understanding and, and managing customer experience. But uh, we, we all have favorites and, and, and I'm assuming you, you have that too. And, and um, what, 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 what are people uh, highlighting the most from, from this? And, and what do you focus more on, on uh, when or get more excited on? When you think about mm -hmm. the <clears throat> so I think academics uh, are really highlighting this integrative thing that using the definition that's really integrative and kind of serves as a common ground that can be used using the same language to talk about customer experience. But I've seen some managerial uh, publications that were highlighting the customer journey levels. Uh, and these two research traditions that we do not only should focus on the managerial stimuli, but we should also look at the customer's context and this broader ecosystem and the consumer journey level. Uh, and my favorite part of this article uh, is the consumer journey concept, because I think that's the way if you want to be truly customer centric. So uh, that's what I would highlight, highlight from this article to understand the journey towards, uh, the customer's journey towards their goals so we can understand how to help them. Uh, and I think that's a beautiful thing and it makes the role of companies more than just to sell, but to help people to achieve goals in their lives. So I would say that's, my favorite aspect of this article. So what, what are you working on now? What's the biggest challenge for you now? Mm. Uh, as I said before, I'm working on this article with a co-author about how we remember experiences. So it really relies on this article because we define experience as this real-time response. Uh, and then what you have after it happened is just the remembered experience, right? So we are trying to understand how 
uh, lived experiences become remembered experiences. Uh, I'm also working on this article about omni-channel integration and journey integration to try and understand how customers experience that. So that one is in review and it's really interesting uh, that uh, it shows when we adopt this nuanced view, it kind of shows that um, touch points do not always need to be integrated. We can have positive experiences because touch points are different from each other. Like for instance, if you go online and have a lower price, it can be a really positive surprise. Uh, yes, and then I think my next challenge that I would like to take on uh, is to understand more how to manage customer experience by using this consumer journey concept. Because right now we have guidelines on how to design a customer journey and so on. But okay, how do we use this consumer journey knowledge? Or how do we even get knowledge about the consumer journey and can use to help customers achieve their goals and improve their experiences? So these research challenges is the, the ones that I'm working right now, some of them. Thank you so much. And, and uh, I think we conclude the, the podcast now. And, and thank you so much, Larissa. Uh, it's been very insightful. And, and I wish you good luck with your research. Thank you. And thank you for, again for the invitation to participate. It was really a pleasure to talk about customer experience here. Thank you.